0: You're listening to the Best Morning Routine Ever podcast, the show that proves no one stumbles upon success ever with your host, Lou Need. Every Mondays and Thursdays, we deliver cold heart evidence behind the power of a robust morning routine. Get ready to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Hello, Morning Enthusiasts. Welcome to the Best Morning Routine Ever podcast. I am your host, Dr. Lune. And today, you know what? It's a privilege and an honor to have another soul sister in the podcast today, Laquita Monley. Laquita's experiences as a teen mom, wife, and now grandmother have shaped her into a master storyteller, keynote speaker, motivator of people from all walks of life. She loves motivating, developing, and inspiring others to reach their full goal. And this is all from experience, y'all. And so as John Maxwell Certified Coach, her goal is to always add value. Her coaching involves the ability to understand you, to think how you think, and understand your own perspective. So with no further ado, Laquita, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, thank you so much for having me It is such a privilege to be able to be here today And um, share my story and, and prayerfully, hopefully Your listeners will be able to Pull a few good keys, good tools out of there That can, you know, bless them in some way
0: Yes, absolutely Thank you again for taking the time to join us I'm really excited And then you are John Maxwell certified So you are a woman of God And you will pray it up And ready to go <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm ready
0: <laughs> <laughs> So please tell us about your journey so far Like tell me, you know, as a teenage mom How it all started and how God led you to actually use that to
1: inspire people All right, awesome So it started in 1992 when I met my husband We're standing with boyfriends We met in high school um, High school sweethearts And, you know, one day or evening as it were we made a decision. And in that decision, we turned into teenage parents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, looking back on it now, it definitely was one of those situations where what the enemy meant for bad. The Lord absolutely used all things and worked it together for our good because we both had plans. Right. Mm-hmm. My plan was I wanted to attend Jackson State University, which is a HBCU in Mississippi because I'm mm-hmm. a native Mississippian. Mm-hmm. Um, and my husband uh, had already received a scholarship and he was attending UTI in, in Houston because he was an automotive engineer. Yeah, And those were our plans. I'm going to J State, and me and my friends, you know, I wanted to become a lawyer, da 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 da. Maybe one day have a kid, maybe possibly if I can get mm-hmm. that in. And then here I am. I'm pregnant in my junior year. So I was an athlete at the time. So my basketball was done. Track was done. Everything was done. And it just seemed like my world had come to this abrupt end that, oh, my God, how do I recover from that? Mm -hmm. But the Lord has this amazing ability to always be able to have divine connections in your life at the right time. And we just have to be sensitive enough to recognize who those divine connections are. And I can't honestly say that I was sensitive enough at that age to recognize it. But my divine connection happened to be my social worker, because since I was a teenage pregnancy in the state of Mississippi in the 90s, you were automatically considered high risk. And so you were assigned a social worker. Okay, she recognized her divine connection to our families. And I say our families because this sister went above and beyond what she was hired to do. Yeah. her role was to help me through my process. Mm -hmm. She was able to recognize the things. And so she ended up helping both of our families, my husband's and mine, which is why I know for a fact that her position in our life helped to set us up for the success that we would experience even today. So we were able to, to get through that teenage pregnancy Mm-hmm. And still achieve the goals that we decided to achieve. Of course, we had to tweak some plans. My husband ended up coming out of university, going to the army full time mm-hmm. active duty. I finished high school, and so instead of going into J state, um, I picked, I chose at that time to be a stay at home mom, and would later in life complete my degree online. Mm-hmm. And just in that process, you know, by the time we got to be, I know I'm fast forwarding in a little bit, but by the time we got married in '97, four kids later, we find ourselves in 2003 in Colleen, Texas, and I had a divine encounter. And as an adult, my relationship with the Lord began. You know, mm-hmm. yep, I grew up in church, but as an, uh, you know, yeah. you stray away. Yep. Well, yep. by the time I was 25. And in 2003, a lot of life had happened to me as as a young, married military spouse. Yeah. And now my husband's getting ready to go to his first deployment in Iraq. And even before that, because we were young and five kids, that's stress. Yeah. Made a lot of mistakes. And so it was one of those situations where, you know, your parents, everyone tells you, you know, pray about it, do this, do that. And you're thinking... That's not working. I don't know <laughs> how to do that. Like if this is not working. You people need to give me some stuff that actually works. And yeah. the Lord heard my cry, and I yeah. had an an encounter with Him, a real encounter with Him, where He revealed who He was to me, and revealed to me that I had no idea who I was, but He was going to show me why He created me. That is beautiful. And I mean, and He did just that. Mm-hmm. He, he did just that. You know. At that time in my life, I devalued everything about the greatness of who God created me to be. Yeah. So with having gone through
0: that experience and that kind of gives hope to a lot of um, women and single single women, too. And young women, well, having young moms, having gone through that and being in your relationship, I'm sure you learn a thing or two about how to sustain a healthy marriage in that process with five kids. And some sort of deployed husband, what can you share
1: with us? How to create that healthy marriage and life? Amen. I did. I did. Now let me be one hundred percent transparent. These came from a lot of epic failures. Yeah, <laughs> is it real. Some tips, yeah, they came out of a lot of epic failures. Um, but what I can say is one of the things that we learned: effective communication is the cure to all confusion. Hmm. Effective communication is the cure to all confusion. What does that look like? Great question. So when we are communicating, we have to learn how to connect with the individual or audience that we're communicating with. Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes in relationships, we're speaking at one another. Mm-hmm. We're not actually listening with the in, like emotional intelligence, we had to learn to grow an emotional intelligence. Let me say it like that. Yeah, that's yeah. a huge part of effective communication. So we had to learn how to listen to one another without building a defense. Mm-hmm. I am listening to you. I am hearing you to understand where you're coming from, to understand why you feel the way that you feel, why you're thinking the way that you're thinking. I'm not listening to you building my remote. Right. Or building my defense.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm listening to you to gain an understanding of what you're experiencing and learning to validate one another's experience that we're having in that moment. Some active listening. Active listening. It's it's necessary. And and understand what I want the audience to understand is that didn't mean we always agree. Like I I understand where you're coming from. I see your point of view. I can see how you feel like that and validate each other. Doesn't mean I agree with you. And now after my husband said his piece, then he has to do the same for me. Mm -hmm. And what that what that did, it caused a lot of situations to never escalate to the dark side, the the knockdown arguments that has everybody crying. Stonewalling, bitterness bitterness, that that resides. That 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 resides. Because what we also learned by learning to practice that and implement that into our life, the next piece that we learned was each of us came into the relationship, to the marriage with some unrealistic, unspoken expectations. Mm-hmm. I've heard that before. Yeah. You know, we are a product. I don't want to say a product of our environment, but throughout life, mm-hmm. we build a perception of what we want our reality to look like based on experiences and desires. Yeah. And we don't often articulate that to our significant other. Or we have an expectation that they just understand that and they should want the same thing. And both of those things are absolutely false. (laughs) Like both of those things, because we all live in our individual experience. So realizing that, I realized when the Lord was showing me who I was, that I had a very unrealistic expectation of my husband. I had unintentionally, Wanted him to reside and occupy a space in my life and in my heart that only Jesus could. Mm. There was no way that Ben was going to be able to provide to me that feeling of unconditional love, that feeling of, you know, just you are my everything, if I can say it like that. Yes, as your significant other, should they be your everything, but not to the degree of the Lord. The Mm -hmm. Lord is my joy and my strength. And he never fails me. I have to understand the humanity of my spouse. And we might think that we're wonderful and never fail our significant others, but that's a lie. We do fail them. We do, yeah. Unintentionally, but we do fail them. And so when I was able to realize that about him and he was able to realize that about me, it changed the game also with the way that we learn to communicate with each other and to reveal what our unspoken expectations were of one another and to put it out on the table and Mm -hmm. begin to have discussions. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's good. And what about how on mindset, what role does the, does mindset play in that
1: effectiveness? It plays a major, major, major role. Our mindset, Mm -hmm. personal development is the key to any type of success you're looking for in life. In your relationships, whether they're romantic or platonic, in your career, in your entrepreneurial endeavors, your mindset has to be one that is flexible. It has to be durable and it has to always want growth. Mic drop right here. Laquita. (laughs) (laughs) And and it does like when we begin to grow and develop as individuals, because, Mm -hmm. again, here's the key. A lot of times culture and society will tell us things like your marriage should be 50-50. One of the biggest lies I've ever heard.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: then another one will say, OK, you know, healthy marriages don't contain gender roles. Another really big lie. You know, just all of these things that we had to learn to shut the noise. And as we were growing as individuals, as my husband was growing in his walk with Christ, to understanding who he was, and I was growing in my walk with Christ to understand who I was, That brought us to a place where we became two healthy individuals operating at 100 percent capacity Mm -hmm. to come together to make that one unit. Mm -hmm. My husband does not complete me. I don't complete him. We are two complete individuals that have come together to operate like the old cartoon from back in the day. Power Twins activate. We have to come together like that. (laughs) Capacity. <laughs> you complement each other. You don't complete each other, you complement exactly. each other. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And if you are looking for someone to complete you, that means you need to allow the Lord to complete you because He should be your strength, your all, and your everything mm-hmm. to bring you into the life of someone else to be able to support them. Because when we wake up in the morning, you know, today, I might feel like hmm, it's whatever.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, if my husband can't come in and fulfill and take up the slack, as it were, then we're in trouble. For real. Yeah. So we can't do that at 50% individual. Right. We have to be all. Yeah,
0: you have to be whole individually before coming together. And that's important. You're sharing some really good, good stuff about marriage and success in general, that, that mindset. And I, I find it like that lack of self-care because we are um, a morning routine podcast and it's all about self-care, making sure you are whole, get up, dress up and show up. So you have to be able to get up, dress up, take care of yourself before you can show up for your husband before you can Absolutely. show up for your wife before you can show up Absolutely. for your business before you can show up for the kids and so that's the big piece of it but i find it sometimes a lot of the self care gets a thrown in the back seat oh yeah so oh yeah you as a coach may have may experience that so enlighten us and tell us about do you think that happens because of lack of self love Because of like, I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough to even put myself first before I can take care of other people. Because if you are ill, you can't can't take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. You can't take care of anyone
1: else. I do. In some instances, it does come from a place, a lack of self-love. And it can also come from a place of lack of identity. Mm -hmm. So a good friend of mine and I were having a conversation just today about this, especially as ladies. And, And it happens to men too. It happens to men too. Especially as ladies, when we when we get married and we start to produce children, oftentimes, unintentionally, we wrap our identity in being our husband's wife and our children's mother. And this happens whether we have a career or a job. Mm-hmm. You know, when women deal with, now the term escapes me, mommy guilt. Mm-hmm. When they deal, when we deal with mommy guilt, and we feel like I have to show up as super mom or I have to show up as super wife in order mm-hmm. to be the good mother, in order to be the good wife. Right. Especially and I say and, and I can't say that it doesn't happen to everyone, but this particular piece, I'll say especially to women who are married to men who have a position or a career that is um, notable, if I can say it like that. Mm -hmm. So like your pastor's wives, your CEO's wives, your CFO's wife in that Mm -hmm. C-suite or your husband. You guys have this huge family business or like for us in the military community. I'm I'm very passionate about my military community. For those of us in the military community, as your spouse gets higher and higher in rank and leading more soldiers, airmen, sailors, you know, Coast Guard and whatnot. Mm -hmm. You want to fit that role. And so you lose yourself and then we start to put all of our needs on the back burner because it seems insignificant because we've lost the value in our identity and it's like you said we do that to our detriment because if i'm not healthy and whole how mm-hmm. can i show up and be right. the best that i version of myself in the spaces that i have to occupy when i'm not giving myself something like On my podcast a couple of weeks ago, I had a sister on there, uh, Dr. Tiffany Jenkins, amazing sister out of Jersey. She's a psychologist. And she gave this scenario for us as women as it relates to self-care. Oftentimes, especially in Christian communities, we love to talk about, you know, making sure that our cup is full. Mm -hmm. And sis did a mic drop. She said, self-care means that I'm not pouring from my cup. I'm pouring from the saucer. I about ran out of the room because <laughs> <laughs> I did. It's because it's, you know, those of us who love tea, you know just where to pour that tea. But if somebody's not paying attention and that tea spills over, that's why we receive the tea on the saucer mm-hmm. to catch that overflow. But if I'm pouring from the overflow that came off of that saucer, that means I'm always full. Yeah. I'm always full. And so, We have to know that. We have to know that we deserve it. It's not selfish. It's necessary. It should be necessary and non-negotiable in your life, whether you're the working mom or the stay-at-home mom. It doesn't matter, ladies. Self-care should be a number one priority and non-negotiable in order for you to show up the way you desire to show up. Non-negotiable. I like that.
0: So let's talk about yours. How do you get up, dress up and show up? What's your morning routine? Non-negotiable
1: habits. My non-negotiable habit is my quiet time is first thing in the morning. Mm-hmm. Non-negotiable. I have to have that time with the Lord and I have to have that time with me before I t- entertain anybody yeah. <laughs> from the outside world. And this this is a
0: woman <laughs> with five kids, okay? <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it and it, it was sort of my journey of trying to figure out how to have a quiet prayer time when my children were younger. And I realized that the only time that my entire house would not bother me was at 4 a.m. Yep sweet while suite everyone is asleep yeah that 4 a.m time and let me tell you you know developing that habit was not easy mm-hmm. like I was in love with my bed because at that time I was nursing and mm-hmm. so like Lord I just went to sleep like two hours ago. <laughs> Now I got to get up. And I I learned to value that time. And now the baby is 20 Mm -hmm. and I still have that habit. And it's the best time in the world because once your household gets active, then I've stepped into mom and I've stepped into wife. Yep. Everybody's out the door, you know, whether at that time I was developing the habit, I was a full-time housewife. So now I have to do the routine and the things that I need to get done to have my house in order and to uh, be able to receive my husband when he comes home from lunch, the kids when they came in from school, you know, and just life in general, the errands had to be ran. I had to have that quality time first. Yeah. So it's it's non-negotiable for me. Yes, I go to the spa, get massages, I get my nails done, pedicures, all that good stuff, but the non-negotiable. The daily. The daily non-negotiable is that time that I spend with the Lord and with myself early in the morning. That's why I receive the downloads. That's why I can journal, you know, I'm journaling on my journey where I'm, I'm journaling my thoughts. I'm journaling mm-hmm. the downloads that I'm getting from the Lord and mapping out plans and ideas and just, you know, receiving the joy and the recharge that I needed from, yeah. to make it through that day.
0: really has to- there's a really good quote that says, Um prayer is us talking to God in that moment of silence in that meditation that is God
1: talking to us absolutely, absolutely my favorite my favorite two scriptures in regards to encouraging the believer to learn meditation is Joshua chapter one verses seven through nine and Psalms chapter one verses one through three and Joshua, and I'll paraphrase it here, Joshua says that when we meditate upon the Lord, we said, be strong and very courageous. And don't let this book of the law depart out of thy mouth, but to observe it day and night, observing to do all that is written therein. Observe to do means I understand it and I'm obeying it. Observe to do all that is written therein. So then I will make my way prosperous and I will have good success. What does that mean? My observation, my study and understanding of the word of God. And my obedience to his written word will cause great success to come into my life. But that's me studying it, me meditating. meditating on it. Psalms one, the same thing, you know, uh, Psalms tells us, and again, I'm paraphrasing it. Everyone, you know, take not the counseling of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, no sit in the seat of the scornful, but to delight ourselves in the law of the Lord and delight ourselves in the law of the Lord. Then we will become like that tree that is planted by the rivers of living water. That whatsoever we do, you know, it's going to prosper. Our leaves will not wither; with it. It'll prosper. That time that we're spending in his word and meditating on his word, that's when, like you said, in that quiet time, that's when he speaks to us because mm-hmm. the power of meditation is what? I'm calming and stealing those inner voices, like yeah. the, the noise from the day. In modern science and, and, and different things that'll call it, you know, finding the gap, Right. You know, that space between thoughts. Yeah. The scripture says it's meditation. Mm. And when we're meditating on that and allow him to speak to us. Oh, once you develop that habit, you won't want to give it up. And, yeah. you know, you won't want to give it up because knowing clearly that he's speaking to you. It's the best feeling in the world. So but guiding posts throughout
0: the day. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like that. Yeah. yeah. Tell us um, for the clients. I know you do. You speak all over the, the United States and you speak. You are your coaching as well. Tell us about the type of work you do with your
1: client. Is it identifying their identity, find who they are? But Yes, that's a lot of the work that I do do with uh, with my clients is I like to say helping them understand how to pursue purpose with a passion mm-hmm. and understanding your purpose or getting to the place where you understand your purpose, you have to clearly know your identity. When I know whose I am and who I am through the Holy Spirit, I will understand the purpose and the plan that God has for my life. And I'll begin to pursue that purpose with a passion. That's the biggest work that I do with my clients. And even in a corporate setting, oftentimes when clients bring me in in the corporate arena, it's mindset work with their staff or sales work, which is then again, still mindset work. It's yeah. still, you know, effective communication. We're, we're still going to do. Uh, I'm a certified John Maxwell disc trainer. We're going to go through that Maxwell method of disc and do the assessment, find out your personality style, find out your communication style. And a lot of times people have never done that. And it gives them a greater understanding. of wow. This is why I am the way that I am. Mm-hmm. And these are some tweaks that I can do to help me move forward.
0: You That's know, for clarity.
1: Or for clarity, absolutely. Because team building, it's all about knowing the individuals on your team and how to communicate with them. Same thing with that individual work.
0: Yeah, I, I have a small team and I actually did have them um, take the Myers-Briggs personality test. And then we went over it as a whole team just to kind of see who they were, and how they approach work. And they were mm-hmm. really empowered by that. Do yeah. you encourage that for, non,
1: uh, not nonprofits, but smaller organizations and startups to do this? Everybody, everybody. One of my most recent clients, I actually encourage it to be a part of the um, application and hiring process. Mm-hmm. Because when we are hiring people for, and we putting out the job descriptions and, People may fit it educational wise. Right. But if it is not within their personality, it's going to be hard for that person to be successful in that position. So we've all you go to university and you you do you take the courses and you eventually realize a lot of us. This is really not what I want to be and do. But at this point, if I tell my parents or whatever, Mm -hmm. I wasted all this money, I'm going to finish this degree. And this is what I'm going to do. Yeah, I mean that's a lot of people's reality, right? Yeah, you know I gotta go work so I can keep the friend these student loans. So mm-hmm. they come in and they're filling positions for things they don't like. Well, if I have those personality assessments as a part of the application process, and then someone on staff or bringing in an outside consultant to say, "Hey." This is what you're probably going to get with this candidate. They look great, but these are Are you willing to work with them on that? Mm-hmm. I know they apply for this position. However, they might be a better fit over here in another position. And so from the very beginning, it helps with the job placement and it helps that person be successful, which, of course, is great for growth for the company. Absolutely. A lot of time
0: is wasted trying to train people and then have a high retention, lower, lower retention, right? They drop out because they're not happy or they're not a good fit. This has to be that person fit and this has to be that organization fit all in one simultaneously has to happen. So I know onboarding is costly, not just in monetary, but resources, time. Mm -hmm. And so I I like the approach, like you should consider this when you're bringing on a new team member.
1: Yeah. Like so for like small solopreneurs who are are saying, okay, I need to bring my first person in or, you know, small boutique organizations. There are so many uh, free resources that you can use to kind of give you an idea if you're not in a position yet to bring in the paid resources. You know, Mm -hmm. we all have to start somewhere. Praise God. So learn to utilize the free resources in your process. Until you get to the place where you can, uh, because these assessments can be quite expensive. (laughs) Mm -hmm. They add up. (laughs) Yeah, they do. They do add.
0: If people are listening and they're curious,
1: where can they connect with you? Where can they find you? They can find me um, through my John Maxwell site, and if you Google my name, Laquita Monley, everything Laquita Monley will pop up. My John Maxwell site, as well as all of the social media uh, handles, which is my name. I'm really active on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and they can also follow me on YouTube and uh, check out some of the videos, video content that I put out on YouTube as well.
0: That's fantastic. This has been very helpful. Uh, I love the piece on communication and effective communication. You in there, emotional intelligence, and that is something I think I learned in grad school i didn't learn it before then it should be taught
1: early on it should be taught early on right it, it and it really should it's one of those things that just because we're adulting does not mean that we're effectively communicating just because we're so we know operating, what the heck we're doing <laughs> yeah, just because we're operating in a supervisory capacity does not mean we're effectively communicating mm-hmm. Right learning to do that learning you just we're not born with emotional intelligence it's something that we have to develop yeah we all have the capacity to be emotionally intelligent but we have to develop it and see the need to develop it
0: right and it's powerful once we do because you're regulating your own emotions but you can assess and regulate other people's or see observe other people's uh-huh. emotions and not be impacted by it and absolutely i mean that's the that's the buzzword of all corporate america right these days mm-hmm.
1: And as it should be, as it should be, because when we're operating in any supervisory capacity and we notice that there's a high turnover rate in any department, the emotionally intelligent senior leader should automatically know that the problem lies within the leadership. I'm not saying that the employees don't have issues, Mm -hmm. And then there's not anything to fix on that level. However, it's the trickle down effect. If my key leaders are emotionally intelligent and cultivating a culture that their employees or subordinates feel safe in, Mm -hmm. then they can feel safe in communicating their thoughts and their feelings and also know that they're going to be heard, respected. And if changes need to be implemented, they'll be implemented. And in an environment that's not like that, you have a a classic toxic environment that creates high turnover in your team. Your leadership will stay the same, but your team turns over and over and over. And it's like my grandmother said, everybody can't be telling the same lie. You're bringing in these people that should be a good fit. And then they stay six months in a year and then they're out. Yeah. Well, they should tell you
0: something. <laughs>
1: Re- reassessment. Yeah, that, that, yeah.
0: That, that's good. This has been amazing. Thank you for coming on today and thank you for oh, sharing.
1: <laughs> thank you so much for having me. I mean, it's, it's been a great experience. Prayerfully, um, your listeners, your audience um, was able to I was able to have a good impact and add some value to someone who's listening.
0: Sure did. You sure did. Thank you so much, Laquita, for coming. We appreciate you.
1: You're welcome. You're welcome.
0: Well, all right, morning enthusiasts, that's it for today's show. Thank you for tuning in. If you love the best morning routine ever podcast, we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes or Google Play. While you're at it, tell a friend about the show be sure to visit bestmorningroutineever.com and our Facebook group to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic free bonus content. Until next time.